0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Hello everyone and welcome to a special edition of the Inclusive Class podcast here on Blog Talk Radio It's our goal in the Inclusive Class to explore the promise and practice of inclusion which can help you provide the best possible education for your child or student with special needs. I'm Nicole Erdix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, an inclusion teacher, and a special education advocate. And joining me here on the inclusive class is my co host, Terry Morrow. Hi, Terry. Hi, Nicole, and welcome to
2: all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for About.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention to anybody out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, but the chat room will be open. If you'd like to stop in and suggest a question, I'll try to work it in if we have time. Uh, It's very unusual for us to be doing this on an evening and on a Thursday. Usually we come to you on Friday mornings at 9 a.m., as we will again tomorrow. So it's a little different today. I'm sitting cooped up in my back bedroom because my kids are (laughs) home and my husband is home and I don't have the run of the house. I don't have my coffee next to me, so I will try not to push the wrong button and hang up the show. But uh, in the meantime, we're very happy to be here tonight with
1: our special guest. Exactly, and um, as you mentioned, it is a special edition, and we have a very special guest, Dr. Michelle Borba, joining us to talk about ways that we can create caring and compassionate classrooms, which is definitely one of the foundations of inclusive education. And as her website describes her, Dr. Borba is an internationally recognized author, speaker, and educator on parenting, character education, and bullying prevention and her work aims to help strengthen children's character and resilience, reduce peer cruelty, and create compassionate, just learning cultures. And I can certainly attest to that to the success of Dr. Borba's strategies and, and her advice. Because, as a classroom teacher for many years, I've used Dr. Borba's books to help guide my practice and uh, help provide inclusive classrooms for my kids uh, for for well over a decade. So. <laughs> Dr. Barbara has a lot of experience, and we're so happy and honored that she is
0: here with us today. Welcome, Michelle. How are you? Oh, I am so fine. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm so glad to be talking about one of my favorite topics, uh, inclusive classrooms, helping our kids just grow to be caring and respectful and just. I don't think there's anything more important than making sure our kids turn out with good hearts as well as minds. Exactly. And as you mentioned to us off-air, actually, you
1: started off as a special education teacher, didn't you? You were um, in the trenches, so to speak,
0: and um, have evolved since then. But that's... I started out way back when in this wonderful classroom in Congress Springs. That was the name of the school in Saratoga. Then okay. I taught in Gilroy for a number of years as well, but it was uh, special education. Actually, I started teaching with autistic children, uh, okay. and across the board I think I learned more from those kids in those classrooms than I did in any textbook. Oh, yeah, easily.
1: You know, when you're in there and getting that real-life experience and applying it, I mean, and, and also lots of joy, too, right, that you don't oh, read about. Oh, tremendous amount of,
0: oh, tremendous. And I yeah. I think one of the things that's so so thing about a teacher is you still carry around photographs of some of those kids till your dying day. You'll never forget yeah. them. You just become such a part of your heart. Of course, there's also some mothers you never forget either. Exactly.
1: <laughs> For various reasons. <laughs> boy, those kids were just absolutely glorious. <laughs> yeah, it's those parents. That's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think um, inclusive classrooms are just, you know, really uh, one-of-a-kind and, you know, are definitely include all children and benefit all children. And, you know, but I think, you know, what I hear from a lot of teachers and and talking to teachers, uh, you know, with the curriculum that we have these days and the high-stakes testing and just the busyness of meeting all these milestones and um, goals, how can, and first of all, why is it important for teachers to try and also include building student character and tolerance? Um, why is it important for them to address that in addition to all this curriculum and material and subject stuff?
0: I, I think what we really need to do is push the pause button because we've gotten ourselves into such an era of no child left untested that we're, we're seeing this rise of anxiety in our kids. We're putting so much emphasis on, a, on that child's uh, curriculum content that we're really forgetting the big picture. And that is a child who walks out of our classrooms into life that does have that heart as well as mind. I, I think one of the most interesting schools, I was up in Winnipeg, and it was a group of teachers who sat at high school and said, we need to really have a courageous conversation of what does the grad at graduation really, look like? Besides Mm -hmm. having that, those, those obviously the piece of curriculum content and academic achievement but what are the traits and the virtues that child would have and what they did is they sat and brainstormed came up with six that they thought were important and there's no right or wrong six but mm-hmm. what they did is find simple little ways to, that would be your next question, weave it in. And I think mm-hmm. we don't need a character education lesson. Now it's 10 o'clock. Let's talk character until 11. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like as deludicrous as talking discipline from 1 to 2.
1: But if exactly. we find
0: simple little ways to weave it in, hey, you were punctual. Thank you for showing up. Oh, that was the way to be respectful. Uh, the curriculum of your wonderful children's literature selections that are so glorious. But just intentionally start tuning those up a notch. What we can do is make sure we do get character embedded into our curriculum as well. So then they're also coming out not
1: just children that are intelligent and goal-driven, but they're also their morals, their characters, their virtues, um, well-rounded individuals. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, that's, that's what we want from our kids, correct?
0: We want- I would hope so. And all you have to do is look at the newspaper and flip through and go, oh, my gosh, we better start boosting character. One more moment of Wall Street and we're all going to have a, you know, a little, <laughs> our blood pressure is going to go up. But that's what yeah. we did. We realized it doesn't make any difference how smart that individual is or how high those SAT yeah. scores. The bottom line is that we've got to have a balance here and make sure we have mentally healthy kids By the way, UCLA studies just came out of 26 years of studying hundreds of kids across the board. This year's crop have the lowest mental health on record.
1: So that could be enough to
0: scare the pants off of us as well. Wow. Well, you know, they just get so focused on all those tests
1: and, the, um, you know, making sure they pass them and the the grades. And um, I was just recently talking to a fellow who said that in the state of Georgia they're talking about tying test scores to teacher evaluations. Um, You know, where's the child in all of this? Correct? You know.
0: Yes, and that's what we really have to focus in on. When I work with teachers, I use an acronym that that may help because I I really try to get across that we're not talking length, we're talking just intensity and simple little ways. The acronym is actually teach, and there's five simple ways you can boost character, not only in your classroom but also at home. So. Let me go through them because they're so yeah, so yeah. simple, and I Maybe. think it may be something that that a parent listening could start writing those down. Going, oh, T is target. It's so easy. Take a moment and ask yourself as a parent. I, I now have my my child at age 45 sitting in front of me. What are the traits I hope most to see in that child? Which is real simpler to like the, the school in Winnipeg did. Mm-hmm. What's the grad graduation look like? Take a couple of seconds to think about what are the traits that matter most to you and identify them. If it's honesty or respect or responsibility, just a couple. And you'll find if you just intentionally identify them, you'll find easy little ways to reinforce them and weave them in. The E stands for example. Aristotle told us that way back when. The best way to teach character isn't a worksheet, but by our own example. So great question to ask yourself every night. If my child had only my behavior to watch, what would he have caught today? Or if you're the teacher, how do you think you're being described at the dinner hour? There's a humbling (laughs) thought. (laughs) Tune it up. You know, if you think self-control is so important, make sure you're tuning it in. A is accentuate. Accentuate it naturally. At a home, my girlfriend had a wonderful thing. It was called the two praise rule. She wanted her daughters to be kind. So every time they walked out of the house, she 'd ask them to make sure that they remembered the two praise rules, say at least two kind things to someone today at nighttime. What are the two things you said that were kind? What she now has twenty five years later is the three kindest daughters you could possibly imagine because it was a simple little reminder. See is, catch the child doing it. Use the language of virtue, and I think we need to do that a little more often. <gasps> that was being respectful. And then always use the, the word because. Because you, um, you know, open the door without slamming it in my face, or you talk to me without rolling your eyes, or mm-hmm, you really mm-hmm. listen respectfully. But if you use the language more often, what will happen is the child will be more likely to repeat it. And H is highlight why character is important to your students. Why is the value to be honest in a world that everybody's cutting corners? They need to hear your reasoning, and they're more likely to, to really adopt your values because they do admire you as a teacher and true.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, when you have those sort of tools to, you know, provide uh, for your your child or your student, then that's a very preventative approach um, towards avoiding disruptive and, disrupt, you know, disrespectful behavior. Um, would that sort of, you know, cut a lot of that off, do you think, in a classroom if you were to front load them with all of those, um, you know, those examples of showing character and value and morals?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think we all know that one, and that is that good old wonderful school climate that when we intentionally say in this school we stand for respect or in this home we stand for kindness, what will happen is if that really becomes your mantra, those fit your rules those fit your daily behaviors, children are far more likely to catch it and adopt it. And second of all, it's so far easier to prevent that cycle of defeat, Mm -hmm. to prevent us having to step in and catch the disrespectful behavior instead of always reinforcing the respectful. Oh, it's just absolutely glorious. Yeah, yeah. I I
2: really like what you say about uh, catching the child doing good. I feel like that's a really useful technique for kids with special needs. uh, As I'm I'm listening to this conversation and thinking of it in terms of of my son who has some behavioral disabilities and how difficult some of these things are for him. He's a sweetheart. He's a good guy. But something like respect is an extremely abstract concept. And Mm -hmm. something like honesty or, you know, for a kid who has cause and effect thinking problems who doesn't always know what the truth is, He's constantly getting tagged for having lied about something when he really was just saying the first thing that came into his head or the thing that he thought the adult wanted to yeah. hear. I think that sometimes our kids, especially as they get older, they get scapegoated by zero-tolerance policies and by you know people who are taking character education in the wrong way mm-hmm. um, because they're not necessarily able to do that. But if you can catch them when they're doing it right so that they have kind of an example rather than just always being saying, stop lying, you're being disrespectful, stop doing this, stop doing that, go to the principal, you know. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it, it would be really helpful if more teachers could do that and
0: paraprofessionals and administrators. And so um, much easier. I think I, I'm going to butt in a minute here because I'm just nodding my head and you can't see yeah. it.
1: I think a big
0: mistake <laughs> we do is we do, we think that character education is putting a definition up on a poster. And right. that doesn't help yeah. anybody, absolutely not. The best way to teach character is don't teach it as a noun, but teach it as a verb, showing mm-hmm. kids exactly what it looks like, especially a special needs child. All right. of the studies in UCLA are telling us all of our children learn best by showing, not telling. Mm-hmm. So simple little techniques, you know, as a parent at home is, is to say, okay, let's do a kindness watch. Let's go to the mall, but we're going to be doing that anyway. But let's look for mm-hmm. people who are kind. Or yeah. let's look for people who are using manners, because if they see it, now they have the example and they're far more likely to be able to not only adopt it, be able to copy it because they know what we're talking about. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's something that parents can definitely follow through on and do at home, um, you know, to coordinate with what's being done in the school.
0: And then well, I, I I the other sort of, thing, oh, sorry, in go ahead, fairness, yeah, in fairness to a parent, uh, back to your point, with a special needs child, repetition is absolutely critical. Yes. Don't expect, because you did that that wonderful lecture about respect last <laughs> night, the kid's going to pick it up and do it the following day. Oh, and lectures, behavior, forget you take it. Take a minimum of 21 days of repetition. <laughs> right. So just target one little thing that you yes. think needs tuning up in your child. Just one uh-huh. And if it's just a minute a day, keep reinforcing the same little thing a minute a day, and you'll see that change in your child's behavior and how wonderful that is. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Well, I I know
1: just from a teacher perspective, I mean, that was something that was really key to um, my classroom management, you know, was that positive reinforcement. Oh, I like how quietly this classroom is sitting. I like how hard, you know, know, not how hard they're working next, because that was a bit esoteric, but, know, I like how your eyes are on your paper, I like how your pencils are moving, (laughs) you know, it was very, uh, very specific, but very, um, you know, a lot of praise and a lot of um, picking out, you know, the the good behavior so that other children can see that being modeled and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that went a long way to to preventing some of those behaviors that you didn't want to see in the kids, so... The specific,
0: yeah. the words we say do have power, and every mm-hmm. one of those examples was so glorious because you were being so specific. And our kids mm-hmm. do want to please us, and they do want mm-hmm. to have being caught doing right. But I always tell parents: remember to use the word "because" in your praise. It'll take mm-hmm. it up a notch, and your child mm-hmm. will be more likely to repeat it because he knows exactly what he did right. Yeah, right. not just yeah. good job, but good job that you were respectful because this is what you did. Yes. yes. Aww. Exactly. Now, what would you, I mean,
1: I know, th- I mean, this this next question could, you know, once again be a whole other show, period, but do you have any sort of very um, uh, quick suggestions to, say, um, a bullying situation in the classroom? You know, if that, if that, unfortunately, if that negative behavior were allowed to get away on the teacher and the classroom and, you know, perhaps there were some bullying situations between um, children, you know, with one another or, special needs children, is there anything that you could perhaps say to the audience that they could take away and work on right away in terms of dealing with that?
0: I'm going to quote best teaching practices and what research says are absolutely critical in our classrooms. The Alveus method of, of walking into a classroom and finding that some classrooms have more bullying and others have not, the first thing that classroom has is clear rules clear rules of we are respectful, we treat each other nicely, those are no-brainers that we've known for years. But what the research is also saying is that if the children are there and empowered to help create the rules, they own them more, even though they're the exact same rules that you and I know we want. We can draw them out of the kids and they're their rules. Class meetings seem to be essentially wonderful because they also reinforce it. So especially in in a, I would I'm back to my classroom, and I'm sitting on the floor, and I'm saying to myself the most powerful thing I did in a special ed room was always start my day with a class meeting. Everybody <laughs> would sit on the floor. It's not my turn. Now it's your turn. We'd learned eye contact. We'd learn respect. But we'd also learn, back to the bullying, how to begin to solve problems. And I'll never forget <laughs> the day about two months later of walking into the classroom and having the kids, they already were sitting on the floor. They turned and they said, Shh, Ms. Barba, stay there. Don't come in yet. So I stood there and I watched, and what they were doing were all helping each other figure out how to help one classmate who had been bullied out on the playground, but they were sticking up for one another. They were so distraught, but they said, we have to figure out what we can do to help him. Let's figure it out. And they began to run the same meeting. And I'm going to to myself, exactly the same thing I did every single day because it was that repetition, and they finally got it. So you're modeling it, too, right? You're, you're modeling it. Problem-solving yeah. seems to be essential, too. They did mm-hmm. a fabulous research where they found that children who are most likely to be victimized and children who are actually most likely to be the bully, both of them seem to lack problem-solving capability. So let's mm. not be so quick to rob our kids of telling them what to do. But anytime there is a problem, oh, sit down. Let's think of one more thing you could have done next time. Now let's tell your, your friend what the problem is. That doesn't mean that you're going to be able to solve the problem with bullying that way, but it may be a solution so the child is less likely to get himself into a bully scenario later on.
2: Right. And
0: it's, again, you know, the adults
2: leading by doing. uh, Quite often you see classrooms in which the teacher is kind of a bully. And uh, yes. you know we hear these terrible stories about uh, kids being restrained improperly, and and Gosh, yes. it seems like there's a whole generation of of teachers, many of whom never learned how to resolve problems and and how to not bully people who are weaker than them, and. Um, for for teachers to have respect for their students as much as they want the students to have respect for them. I mean, you didn't barge into the classroom and said, "You guys don't get to talk to somebody with some about something without me." You respected yes. that they were trying to solve the problem and uh, that's something that I think and, and is certainly good for parents to learn too. If we can show our kids respect as well as expect them to respect us. Well, and use exactly non bullying disciplinary techniques
0: that the, the basis of all bullying is always a relationship problem. It's yeah. relational by nature, and it's always yeah. disrespectful, but it's to the level it's also cold-blooded intentional cruelty. Mm-hmm. They've done mm-hmm. fascinating work with special ed children, though, and a couple of things come to mind. at University of Toronto, I think, is a goldmine to know this one. They mm-hmm. did hours and hours of videotapes of watching our kids out on playgrounds, and then they rewound the tapes and they watched, and with seconds they could figure out which child is most likely to be victimized. And it was Mm -hmm. nothing that the child said. It was how they stood. Children Mm -hmm. who have their head held down and are most likely to be picked on because they have wimpier body language and they look more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. one simple little technique all year long in an inclusive classroom is to tell your children to always look at the color of the talker's eyes. Not only does it it boost empathy and communication skills, but by just... Putting your head up, it actually yeah. makes your whole body look more confident, and that's the first step to bullyproofing your child. Hmm. For a child who's an autistic child, that's going to be a tough scenario. So yeah. I always tell them, look at the bridge of the kid's nose. He right, won't know right. the difference, and they practice looking a little bit further up. But it actually helped their whole body language hmm. to look stronger. So their entire
1: body straightens
0: up. That's right. right, your whole body yeah. does. Just by holding your head up, that's the first step. And then we can begin to teach our children just beginning assertive skills. I use CALM, C-A-L-M. The first thing is when, you're, when you are bullied, know that what a bully is looking for is a reaction. And our hypersensitive kids are going to cry. University of mm-hmm. Finland is doing phenomenal work on helping children who have special needs uh, learn how to switch on and switch off their upset face. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. They're actually... Helping them train by feeling the muscle, or putting a big steel cape around you like Superman. So when somebody tries to say something to you, it can't get to you. The, that that mean thing just bops right off of you. Mm-hmm. Amazingly, it helps that child. A is assert yourself by I don't deserve this or Uh, i cut it out or I'm history, I'm out of here, some kind of a Mm -hmm. comeback line that a child could say. L is look the child in the eye. Holding your head up straight actually makes your whole body look more comfortable Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. confident. And M is make your voice sound firm and strong like you mean it. Cut it out or cut it out do yeah. you think a bully's going to listen to so <laughs> yeah. you practice those four and you put them together it'll take a while but it actually helps a child be less likely to be picked on on that playground
1: yeah wow great information
2: are there some other things you can suggest the parents can do to uh, help their kids be successful in school
0: well i think the most important one on that one is get to those parent conferences yeah yep. <laughs> definitely Absolutely. i endorse definitely. that I- Step one, because you want to be an ally with the teacher. May is, here we are, summer is already coming up, and the most important question you can ask the teacher right now, what can I be reviewing during the summer so there's Mm -hmm. not that horrible backslide? Obviously, books are absolutely critical, but you want to get on the same page with that teacher. and keep reviewing, not that it's going to be a horrific concept all summer long with this, but (laughs) keep on so that you're reviewing that would be the first thing, and mm-hmm. remember that your child's attention span is is very short. I swear the the best invention that a parent owns is a is an oven timer. <laughs> Sit until the uh, the timer goes off, then you can stand right. up and take yourself a break. Now go back, because we now know, by the way, that it's ADD kids sitting too long actually <laughs> farms out their brain power. They can't think. And very often they have to move. So mm-hmm. figure out what helps yeah. your child learn and go with that, not how you learned. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's a very well, I good think point. of the oven timer because uh, I bought my daughter um, an egg timer. And uh. I would walk away and she would manipulate it. Uh. <laughs> I would set it to <laughs> back, ten and, forth and, back and, and forth. I'd come, <laughs> I'd come back wow. and it would be down to three. <laughs> so. An oven timer is probably a little bit more central, and you can see it easier. <laughs> but anyway, sorry to interrupt yeah. there, Terry. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking about how my my son hates to have timers set. He would just rather, you know, he'll say, "I'll do it in five minutes." And if I say, "Well, I'll set the timer, and then we'll know when five minutes is," and you go back to do it, it's like, "No, no, no, I'll do it now. I'll do it now." <laughs> Somewhere along the line, you, you, you uh, got timer anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, you know, being involved in the school, going to the conference, I'm always amazed at how few parents take the opportunity to do that and to get that information from the teachers. Um, You know, it's such a valuable thing, and to volunteer in the school as much as you can and uh, make yourself a part of that. I think a lot of times parents of kids with special needs are either intimidated by the school or they're just stretched too thin, but uh, you really can't leave that piece of it out.
0: Well, a simple tip on going to the conference, because I have found many parents say they are intimidated at the conference, or they get mm-hmm. there, they sit down, and then they forget what <laughs> the heck to ask. So I always say yeah. get yourself a three by five card. Before you walk into that conference, write down the three most important things you yes. need. No, to help mm-hmm. your child learn better before you walk out the door don't yeah. just ask by the way what's he doing wrong but what are the <laughs> strengths he has how are you seeing he's learning how does he best respond because if you ask those kind of questions particularly from a teacher who's watching him all day long in a learning scenario it'll mm-hmm. give you some clues on how to help him with the homework how to how to boost those buffer those frustrations so they're minimized right. and you can get on the same page together Ask, Mm -hmm. most importantly, how does he learn best? What's the best tip? Is he a child that's going to want to take a yellow marker and mark, you know, I always say to the child, take your yellow marker and put sunshine on the paper that's the most important thing you want to remember. Or if there's too much on a page (laughs) and they're just (laughs) overwhelmed, then you chunk it. Take the page and just... Put it in half or put it in Mm -hmm. fourth and just do the first row or the first problem. Yay, you did it. Now let's do the (laughs) second one. So they don't see the whole thing and just want to give up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's great.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and, And also I would say if you've found something that works at home, let the teacher know about that. Or if you've had a success or if your child has talked about something that happened at school at home in a happy way, teachers like to hear that too. And that can kind of form a good relationship. Everybody needs to have good things said.
0: And the more we can get on the same page together, this Mm -hmm. is what worked for me, oh, what's working there for you, what's one little thing that we can do together, tracking the behavior so it's not all those bad behaviors, but the one little behavior at a time that we're going to work on to see improvement so we don't have such a discouraged child.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well we're I can't believe we're ticking down to the end of our half hour here. That went incredibly fast. But uh can you tell uh, our audience where they can find more information about your work and your books?
0: Uh my my website is michelleborba.com. dot com. I'm a one L girl, so it's M I C H E L E B O R B A, Michelle Borba. There are literally uh the last time I checked almost four hundred and fifty articles on there. Just check in the category from learning to school success to bullying. I just put, I think, over 43 articles on bullyproofing kids Ooh, as well. Uh, Twitter is Michelle Borba. I try to send out just tips and techniques yep. or, or good websites and articles, late breaking news, you know, a few times every day for parents yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, and I see those. Yeah, they're great. Very helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, and uh, your books are there
0: too, correct? You've got, I think, you've written more than a dozen. books. I hate <laughs> to say it's <laughs> I had a very good senior high school English teacher who told me I should grow up and be a teacher, uh, be a writer. It's amazing sure. what teachers influence do. But, yeah. but I have a number of them. No more misbehaving. Uh, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Each yeah. one of my books is set up as a 21-day makeover. So choose the one behavior, the one attitude, the one issue. Stick with it till you get the results. Then go on to the next one.
1: Great, and they're bo- they're great for both teachers and parents. Is what. Thank you. Um, is important. Yes, it's for the audience to know. All right. Well, Terry, would you like to take us out then? And... Uh, yeah, I think it's about that
2: time. Uh, thank all our listeners for tuning into our program this evening. I'm very happy I didn't accidentally say morning uh, with Dr. <laughs> Michelle Borba, and we will be uh, back tomorrow morning, uh, Friday, May 25th at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Inclusive Class. We're going to have a couple of experts in communication come in and tell us how to uh, parents how to work with professionals and vice versa to successfully communicate with one another during IEP meetings let's all have a hearty laugh uh in the meantime uh you can follow us on twitter where nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class and i am at momitude m-a-m-a-t-u-d-e you can find archives to our past shows on my blog at www.mamatude.blogspot.com, and more information about our program at www.theinclusiveclass.com goodbye everybody thanks for uh, coming joining us this evening and uh have a great week Weekend, long
1: weekend, Weekend. Memorial Day weekend. weekend. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you very much, Michelle. It was a pleasure to talk to you and an honor to have you on our program. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.